Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all sports wagering info with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. You can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and even the Super Bowl. Bet Online will give you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B L E A V. Bet Online, where the game starts. Campbell in the end zone. They're not keeping this buck off this field tonight. 100 yards. Can you believe it? I still can't believe it. Now presenting Believe in Everything Auburn with your hosts, Taylor Davis and Jason Campbell. War Eagle, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in Everything Auburn. Taylor Davis. Jason Campbell, you know the drill by now. We are here to break down all the riveting action in and around Auburn athletics. And luckily, it's another week, another Auburn win to recap. We are 3-0. and You love to start out that way. Like we said in the offseason, Jay, it was imperative that they did start 3-0 and because the gauntlet begins now. There is no more time to figure this out. You got to have it go in full force from here to the end of this thing. So a lot to talk about, a lot to break down. One of the voices of the Auburn Tigers is here to do it for us. J-Cam always boots on the ground for us this season, which is fantastic. And ironically, I covered the Aggies this past week. I was in College Station, so we have you covered on all fronts this week as the Tigers head down to College Station for what is sure to be their toughest test of the season so far. So welcome in, everybody. War Eagle, as always. Like I said, I'll bring Jay in and pick his brain out the gate because Auburn got the win over Samford this past week. But before we get to all that, Jay, You're three weeks in to your new gig, your new role with Auburn Radio, and just like the football team, us broadcasters get into a flow as well. You got to get a couple under your belt, find that rhythm, find that team chemistry. So now that you're heading into week four, give us a little self-evaluation, a little scouting report on your job. (laughs) Hey, you know, first of all, hello, everybody. This is your one and only, Jay Cam. I'll say this. It's been exciting. It's been a lot more fun than I could have imagined. Uh, when I said doing this would kind of be the closest thing to being on the sidelines, mm-hmm. I wasn't lying. You know, you're involved in every play, and every play yeah. happens so fast. You know, you realize how fast the game goes when you're calling it. When you're playing in it, you kind of get used to it. But when you're calling mm-hmm. it, you're like, okay, you got to be on your P's and Q's, and you got to be able to get it in and out really quick before – you know, you have to pass it back to Andy and then he takes it to the next place. So, right. you know, it's it, with all these no huddle offenses and all these different rule changes, you know, you really have to be up on, on on your stuff and you really have to study and prepare. You know, I've been studying, preparing and 
everything already, you know, just for the yeah. game on Saturday. I start early in the week. Uh, by Friday, I pretty much know everything I want to talk about. It's kind of relaxed day, uh, get ready for the games on Saturday. But, you know, that's been awesome. And then having Ronnie on the sidelines and Cadillac on the sidelines and the coaching aspect, it's been great. Who would ever have thought that the 2004 backfield will all be back together <laughs> doing something for Auburn? And people don't know this. We was the first backfield ever to have all three guys drafted in the first round. Yep. And, you know, a lot of people don't publicize it enough. I say, I don't know why Auburn is, doesn't use it for recruiting bait. Agreed. But, you know, but it's a, it's a tremendous honor. And I'm glad yeah. to be able to still be friends with those guys and working with along beside them. Very, very cool. And we are lucky that you guys have chosen to stick around in this capacity. And, and I'm glad you're liking it. I also think it's invaluable that you're part of one of the best podcasts in all of sports. And so that has certainly <laughs> prepared you well also. All right. Well, let's go ahead and recap this past week really briefly. I, I don't feel like we need to uh, remake the wheel here with this one, but a win is a win. We will take it. And again, there were certainly elements of this that you would like to get ironed out and there's still plenty to be discussed as a coaching staff, but Auburn does get the win over Samford at home 45 to 13. And I think the biggest surprise, I guess it would be a surprise is the role that Peyton Thorne played in the run game, because obviously you got a guy like Robbie Ashford, and what has been shown so far is that Robbie's out there to run, Peyton's out there to pass. R&P. Wow, I didn't even realize that until just now. Passing Peyton and running Robbie. That's what we've yeah. had. And yeah. Peyton basically went out this week and said, I have legs too. I'm not a statue. And showcased what he's able to do for this offense. Now I will say... The passing game definitely still has room for improvement. Two interceptions for him on the game. That's three on the year so far. But as far as Peyton's role settling in, what has he done well? What still needs to be improved upon as this offense? Like I said, practice time's over pretty much. Like you you got to have it going. Where is he in your eyes right now? What couldn't happen last week was we couldn't do the quarterback system like we did in Cal. Because what happens, a lot of people don't understand this, Taylor, is when you play the quarterback position, it not just only affects the quarterback. It affects your offensive linemen. It affects your mm -hmm. receivers, your running backs, because they have to get used to hearing a certain voice. They also have to get used to knowing, like, okay, what's this quarterback's tendencies? And if Peyton's a guy that short step drops in his in his, in his his sets, then the left tackle and the right tackle got to know that. If Robbie's mm -hmm. a guy that long step drops in his drop back, then they got to know that as well. But and you got to know as a as a as a lineman who's behind me because if I got a runner, I may know I can run this guy inside because I got someone that right. can beat him outside. You know, so it's just all these mind things that that go into it. And there's a comfort a comfortability a comfort of knowing who's my guy because the receivers want to know, hey, where I got to be when I got to be there because this guy's arm talent may be different than the other. So a lot of stuff plays into this, and I can tell. We couldn't get into a rhythm in Cal because it was too much of that going on. Hmm. You saw last week Coach Freeze made the decision say, hey, look, if we brought Peyton in here to be the quarterback or compete for QB1, then if he wasn't here this spring, he wasn't here this summer. We got to get him on the field longer and give him an opportunity to, to make some mess ups and then sure. give him the opportunity to, to bounce back to see if he's a guy that can bounce back from making mistakes. You can only do that if you're in a game long enough to get into the flow. And in this game, early in the game, we did what? We turned the ball over again, and uh, especially in the red zone. We can't do that. But yeah. later in the game, what I was impressed by was 
he didn't he he didn't let that stop him. Later in the mm-hmm. game, he was able to bounce back and make some other plays and uh, and you know spread this ball around the way that it needs to be spread around because this offense definitely needs the receivers involved. And if you're going to be balanced, you got to start giving these guys some confidence. And I feel like we did that this game, but. Robbie came in, played when he got a chance to play, but I just think that's just gonna be it moving forward. I I really think that, you know, Thorne's gonna be your guy, but Robbie's still gonna come in in certain situations. It may not be in the middle of the field of twenty to twenty. He may come in on short yardage. He may come in, you know, in 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 those situations. But I unless Peyton goes out there and starts screwing up. Mm-hmm. And then at that point in time, as a coaching staff, you say, okay, we're giving him the opportunity. Now do we get another guy a full opportunity? But right. So I, I like that approach more than so than just trying to run guys in and out. It just really messes up a lot of rhythm. Agreed. And, and we talked about that last week. Like certain opponents are going to afford you the opportunity to kind of get guys reps and what have you. And they certainly had that this week. But I think it was more important to them to establish a little bit of rhythm heading into the Texas A&M game where you're definitely going to need it. And obviously with Robbie, I think Hugh is so intentional about, you know, continuing to say this guy is a key piece to our team. He, for all intents and purposes, is the most talented athlete on the field. So there have been reports that he's been working out with the wideouts this week. (laughs) Whether or not we see him line up out there in college station, I don't really anticipate. And, And they certainly see his value as the backup. But If Peyton continues to get into said rhythm and this offense is clicking with him at the helm, you don't want to disrupt that. But now you've got your best athlete sidelined. That's a very conflicting position to be in as a coach. When you've got an an athlete like him that isn't your pocket drop back quarterback, he's got the wheels, he's got the physicality and the athleticism. You feel like you're not utilizing one of your biggest assets in game. And so you do start looking or considering at least the potential of other positions. Well, honestly, I think the coach has to say that. And the reason he has to say, like, you know, Robbie is a very important piece of this offense. The reason one is he's one play away from having to be the full time guy. And so mentally, he's got to stay engaged. He's got to stay within the offense. He got to prepare every week as if he is a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can't have these, he can't relapse and just say, Hey, oh, I just get complacent. I'm, if things are, I'm not starting. I'm just going to sit over here. You can't have that type of mindset. You have got to be locked in and even more so Taylor as a backup than you do as a starter, because you don't get all the reps that the starter gets. So you have to make sure that you stay out the practice and prepare longer. You have to make sure that you're studying your plays a lot more because if you are called upon and everything and have to go in, in a situation, you need to know exactly what to do and you need to have been creating reps with yourself by keeping guys out the practice and say, Hey, can I get a couple of reps from you guys just right. to stay on top of things? Uh, the other aspect of it is too, is the reason they ran Thorne a lot last week, he didn't run an RPO system like this in Michigan. You know, he mm-hmm. ran a more of a drop back system and now he's in a system where he's, where he's doing more, where he's doing more running. And I don't think coach freeze. want to say, okay, every time we decide we want to do a quarterback run, we don't want to have to take Thorne off the field and put Robbie in the game because it messes up the flow and the rhythm. So mm-hmm. let's just see what he got. So I think they ran him a lot last week to show defenses that we're about to face okay. to say, hey, every time you see Thorne in the game, you can't just expect there's some form of drop back or handoff here. Now you got to keep that backside defensive end, that backside linebacker at home 
because he may pull it and then he shows right. you he does have some athleticism enough to to extend plays and and to keep a defense on it so i thought that was well planned last week for them to show him in that aspect so it keeps defenses on their heels and mm-hmm. it also is going to help Peyton because people can't just pin their ears back and just say you're going to do one or two things now you add that third element there so and you don't have to bring a quarterback in the game to do it you know so i i, I really right. think that i think for robbie i wouldn't necessarily say so much receiver position because we got so many guys now you know mm-hmm. we got five guys that are super talented that and we have fast receivers we got javarius we got um jay fair you know so you got these guys that can run and, and stretch the field i think if you're going to utilize robbie in that situation then you probably do it on a couple sweet plays what i mean mm-hmm. by that is you line him up in a receiver position you bring him in motion you hand him off the ball by the time he gets the ball the defense in can't get up field fast enough and he's by him so i think you utilize him that way you do that a couple of times and guess what then you do a pass with him and out of the same formation so there's yeah. ways that they can use him and have Thorne on the field at the same time that can add a different element and add more excitement to this offense. But that's not as a full-time receiver. Not yet. I don't see it. Yeah, I agree. There's too much risk involved in that, but you also as a coach are probably chomping at the bit to have this guy out there in any way he can. Let's go super old school and line him up at H back. <laughs> Like, let's have, like, a right. Jay Prosh back out there, you know? Uh, right. I don't know how he is in his blocking. He probably hadn't had to do that in a while. But you get the ball in his hands, he's he's special, and he can make something happen. So I think Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze, uh, I mean, excellent coaches to have a situation like this because they are offensively minded. So the creativity with a guy like Robbie, especially as Peyton continues to develop into this role is going to be pivotal, especially into the sec defenses that we're going to face. But I think the, you know, obviously they talked after Cal saying that that wasn't what we wanted to look like. That's not what the two quarterbacks are going to look like. We deviated too far from the RPO. They want to utilize that vertical RPO as much as they can. They are going to make defenses, protect sideline to sideline. That is the only way that this offense is going to work. And I think you saw a glimpse this past week of how Peyton can make that thing operate very effectively. And they're going to want to build on that. What that means for Robbie remains to be seen. And and we'll Uh, continue to find out. Well, I say this too, Taylor. Those are great points. I I say this. As a coach, you can't get into a situation where you're trying to please everybody. Right. Because if you do that, you can lose your team, you know, because there's only one football. And sometimes, you know, guy, you may get involved in this game. You may not get involved in this game. You know, next game, you may get more involved. So I do think the first couple of weeks was more of an experiment to see if they could do this two quarterback system. But they quickly realized, like, okay, this throws everything off rhythm. Mm -hmm. We can't continue to do it this way. This is we we just got to make a decision and go with it. And I think that's what they're doing. And last week at an RPO game. Um, Peyton com- completed 13 out of 15 passes in the RPO pat- RPO mm-hmm. game. And so that shows you that the RPO, which is what we heard from the spring, I mean, not from the spring, but over the summer, that he's good in picking up the RPO system and knowing where the ball is supposed to go right. you know, and everything. And that's a lot of it. Definitely. And it's going to have to be. And obviously, A&M will be keyed in on that possibility. We'll scout Texas A&M in just a minute. Uh, Auburn is leading the SEC in pass defense right now, allowing just 155 yards per game. Uh, We already have eight sacks on the year. So defensively, I definitely think they have affected quarterbacks. They match up well on the back end. It's that run defense that is going to continually need to step up as they are continually going to be tested. And that will certainly happen this 
week as well. Uh, what did you see defensively? Unfortunately, a couple key injuries. Keontae Scott is not going to be able to go. A huge blow for this defense. He joins Austin Keys as a guy that's going to have kind of a long-term return. Uh, Coach Free said that Keontae will be out for, quote, a considerable amount of time. He had surgery on an ankle, ankle injury. Super disappointing for a guy that has definitely become a staple. Uh, like we talked about, Donovan Kaufman a couple weeks ago got banged up. He was evaluated for a concussion after the Cal game. Did not play versus Samford. I don't know the update on his availability this week. I'm sure several of those guys are day-to-day. I do know he practiced, but in a yellow non-contact jersey. So uh, a few guys defensively, I think your depth is definitely taking a hit more than you would like to see in week four. Uh, but how have you seen all of them kind of step up and, and work as a unit in those absences? Well, the positive thing is, you know, I'm looking at our list right now. That's why you see me looking down, looking at our defensive mm-hmm. depth chart. And you, you've gotten experience with guys. J.D. Rim has come back. You know, True. so he was able to play last week. You know, he's a talented guy. Um, you know, Caleb Wooten got some a lot of experience because mm-hmm. Donovan and Keontae was out most of the game last week. And yep. you got Griffin Speaks, another guy who's an Auburn high school guy that's now back transferred from Baylor this back. So and Nehemiah Pritchett has yet to play this year and mm-hmm. was listed as one of the preseason all SEC, you know, caliber corners has yep. been out over the last couple of weeks with that high ankle sprain. And now I think this is the week he comes back. You know, I, I, hope so. I hope this is the week. I hope his ankle's feeling better and this is the week he comes back. And because if that happens, Taylor, what you can do, you lose someone like Keontae Scott in what we call that star position in 34 defense, which is a nickel, but they call him a star because they can put him anywhere. Exactly. And he can run. He can he can make plays. You saw a couple early part of the season, the plays, the effects that he has when he's on the field to lose he's him. For this, um, yeah, man, to lose him for this amountable time. That's a big loss. I'm not big even going to sugarcoat it. It is yep. a big loss. Um, the team knows that. But then you look at someone like Donovan Coffin, mm-hmm. who was playing a lot with Keontae. The reason those two guys were so effective is because they could sub each other in and keep a fresh legs and fresh body in that star position, which is yeah. a real key. And now you don't have that guy that you swap in and out like a Keontae. So my thought process goes to, okay, who can we, who can we do? Okay, if Nehemiah comes back and say he starts, Kyan Lee has been your starter at that position for the last three weeks with experience. Do you now move him in as a star position as well to alternate with Kaufman? But then he can still sub out Nehemiah Pritchett so he can still right. play two positions. Or do you t- okay. or do you put JD Rim, you know, in that star right. position with Dunham and Kaufman? Or if you feel comfortable with Kayla Wooten, does is he a guy that you feel comfortable with, you know, his experience benefit? So there's there's guys, put it that way, there's guys yeah. that can fill in the role. They may not be as quick as Keontae, but they can play a valuable role. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because A&M averaged 337 yards passing. They averaged 129 mm-hmm. yards rushing. We know that their receivers are top-notch. Uh, we know that their quarterback is a guy that can throw it. They're balanced. Just looking at this whole yeah. offense, they're balanced all over. Uh, so for us, defensively, I feel like we just got to keep them one-dimensional. But just looking at this, like – we definitely got to create some some type of turnovers and short fields. 
that's basically what Miami did a couple weeks ago when they were able to get that win. A lot of it was because of untimely mistakes and turnovers on Texas A&M's part. I feel like if you don't rattle Connor Wegman and get him into some situations with turning the ball over, they are a very confident offense because they've got the pieces. They have every reason right. to be confident. They've got so many dudes on that roster, and a lot of them have played a lot of ball. Anaya Smith chose to come back this year. Everyone thought he was gone. So uh, they they are going to be a tough offense to stop, especially on the heels of this past week where I think they figured some things out, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I wanted to get your input one more thing about this past week or, or just the first three in general. Um, how, how do you think we're faring in the trenches on both sides of the ball? Because I think when you look across the league, the teams that are struggling at the line of scrimmage are losing ball games that they otherwise should have won. It is so evident the impact and hell, we can look at our season last year and know the impact. Okay. But obviously a lot of investment was put into the offensive line. You've had a lot of shuffling, a lot of key guys that moved on. On both sides of the ball, how do you think we have settled in with both of those units where we all know everything starts? Oh, yes. <laughs> thank thank goodness for depth, uh, especially on the offensive <laughs> line. You know, you lose Cam Stutz last week. He gets oh, injured. Yeah. Too tall Miller gets injured. So you're able to have those flexible guys like Gunnar Britton, who we moved over from from left guard to right tackle. Mm-hmm. He was able to plug Jeremiah right into the left tackle position. And uh, then you have Muskrat. You're able to bring him in and move around, move him around a different position. So depth helps us. We haven't had that type of depth probably since 2017 at the offensive line oh, position. Wow. I, I firmly believe that those two guys will be back healthy this week, though, ready to rock and roll. Um, defensive front has done a really good job over these first three weeks in stopping the run. And that's what we were concerned about because UMass, they kind of ran it good on us. But then I should say the last two weeks in Cal game, our defense did a great job stopping the run. And then you come back against Sanford and we did an outstanding job stopping the run. So I feel like defensive front-wise, we're now understanding that 34 defense, that we understand where we fit, where our fits are. We understand where we're supposed to plug guys in at. I think the coaching staff is kind of getting used to some of our transfer guys and understand because, yeah, you can go pull a guy out or transfer, but until you actually have him in games and see what he does, you don't really know where to put him at. And I think now that they have an opportunity to know, okay, this is where we put certain guys, especially right. the fact that we lost Keontae Scott and we lost um, Austin Keys, mm-hmm. uh, two starters, you know, immediately. So it was good to get Larry Nitson. It was good to get uh, Eugene Asante, you know, has been balling. And then Jason, uh, Jalen McLeod, you know, what he's done since he's come back from injury. So he's getting healthy now. So I I feel like we're in a really good spot. I'm just concerned about we had a late start last game on the road. We got an early start this time on the road. Mm -hmm. Can our guys get up fast enough on the road to put pressure on A&M in a hostile environment? Because you know, Taylor, if we get up early on them, they're not afraid to start turning against their team and cause the gym Oh, they are already like, I think last week was a sigh of relief for both sides, unfortunately. Um, be, well, fortunately for them, unfortunately for us, because I think going into it, I mean, look, coming off the Miami loss, everyone in the building was frustrated. They were frustrated because of the same thing that we have talked about on this podcast, which is there is no reason for Texas A&M to not dominate. Be it the guys that they're getting, the support, the resources, the foundation that this program is built on. 
Uh, and and honestly, a coaching staff with a, a really high pedigree and a lot of investment in them as well. So uh, there was a lot of frustration out of Miami. And I think this past week, albeit against an inferior opponent, it still is up to you to go put a game together that is more indicative of who you really are. And I think they did that. And there was a sigh of relief, but... I was very impressed by their offense this past week. And one thing in particular to keep in mind is that they were without two of their top targets this past week. And we were not aware that Evan Stewart was not playing. So Evan Stewart at last week, he was second in the SEC in receiving yards. I don't know where he lands now after a week of games and, and one in which he sat out, but he is a very impressive athlete. He is very effective and him and Connor have developed a very great relationship on the field. We were not told he was not playing. He was listed on the depth chart. And then all of a sudden I'm standing on the sidelines and I'm like, Evan has no pads on like what, what is happening? And so we still were given no indicator as to why he wasn't wearing anything that led to thinking it was an injury. So I don't, I don't know why he was out. And then uh, Noah Thomas, who is another one of their big-time targets, left the game uh, with what seemed to be some sort of leg discomfort. They wouldn't give us specifics on that one either. But those two, if for any reason they are not able to go, that is certainly notable for both uh, us and A&M. But I think Jimbo has alluded to the fact that they should be good to go. So I don't know what all of that was about, but something to keep in mind. But they put up 550 yards of offense last week. Like, they still found a way to distribute the ball and get it going. And look, Anaya Smith is a guy, they can line him up at wideout and they can line him up in the backfield. He literally will do anything. He told us this week he would line up at DB if they would let him. Like, he just wants to be all over the field. He's just a dude. So, he's one you watch out for. Connor Wigman, man, he's... he's yeah. Something 25 of 29 for 337 yards and two touchdowns this week on the heels of a 300 plus day against Miami with all the different pressures they were dialing up a couple weeks ago. He has the full support of this team, even though he's just a sophomore. They they ride for him. They believe in him. And he has the confidence that you got to have to kind of lead this sort of program at this point. So this offense, without question, is going to be the toughest test that Auburn has had so far. And a lot of the woes and inconsistencies that have sometimes shown up for us in the first three weeks are not going to be able to survive in Kyle Field. Like, there's just no way about it. So uh, talk to me a little bit about your expectations for this game, what you have noticed about A&M and your preparation, and uh, I'll add in any nuggets that I learned this past week as well. Well, my expectations is we got to get off the bus ready to be the hammer and not the nail. Totally. Uh, what I mean by Your that is, saying. yeah, yeah, you got you got to when you're on the road and in, in, in hostile environment. The one thing I learned when I played is you got to make some plays early to kind of take the crowd out of it. And what I mean by that is hit them with some big plays, get up on them, make them a little nervous, make them uncomfortable. Uh, because you know if you let them get up on you, then the crowd gets louder and it gets louder and louder. Uh, mm -hmm. so, you, you know, you got to make sure that we start fast. Like you were saying, we can't have those crucial turnovers. Like you can get away with the Sanford, you can get away with the UMass, you mm -hmm. know, somewhat Cal, you know, but you're not going to get away with it against a team like A&M that's as balanced as they are on offense. And I played under coach by Petrino before, and I know how, how thorough he is when it comes to offense. Right. Uh, and he, he'll have those guys prepared, but at the same time, 
we got to capitalize off their turnovers because I feel like we have a defense that can create turnovers because we're fast and we can run. And our secondary is experienced. So I think that that plays into our hands a little bit that if we can, if they throw the ball as much as they like to throw it, then that's more opportunities for us to get our hands on the ball. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it all predicated on stopping the run. You got to stop the run first to create them to be one dimensional for that to happen. Uh, Offensively, like we were saying, not turn the ball over, especially in the red zone, uh, and especially at their in their territory, because an offense like this gonna put up seven on you. Mm-hmm. You, know, you. You know, Cal we was able to hold to three, but it's it's just those things. As an offensive person, keep your offense on schedule. Stay out of third and sevens or more. You know, keep it in the third and six or under, where it's more manageable. You know, you yeah. like to be in that third or three to third or four zone <laughs> because that way you can either still run the ball. Or you can throw the ball. So you want to make sure that you're standing those manageable downs because if you get in third or 10 or third or seven or more, like I'm going to tell you right now, what they're going to do is let that defensive front eat because mm-hmm. they got some dudes. They got some dudes they on do. the defensive line that can go and get the quarterback. And uh, and for us, like we just got to stay on schedule. That's the key for me. Yeah. I think on the back end, you know, they they struggled with some tackling against Miami and and they weren't as advantageous and opportunistic as you should be. Tyler Van Dyke, Miami's quarterback, five touchdowns on the day. He was so comfortable. They did not generate a pass rush. Like they're better at stopping the run than they are kind of affecting the quarterback and shutting down that passing game. So if if there's any day for Peyton and these wide receivers to ball, it, it's this one. So I I I like us in this one. A&M is a seven and a half point favorite coming off this past week. Um, I think a lot of that is still just no one really knows exactly what to expect out of Auburn. And I still think there's a little bit of unpredictability and still don't really know all the pieces. And and it's new. It's year one under this staff and with this group of people. So I think that prevents anyone from really truly knowing what they're going to get out of Auburn, which is fine by me, except we don't really know what we're getting out of ourselves either. We're still trying to figure it out as well. But I will say, and you know, we all talk about it and it is always a conversation topic. And sometimes it's just because we have to, but Kyle Field is a tough place to play. I being down there this past weekend when they hosted UL Monroe, I had a hard time hearing my headset. Like mm-hmm. there, there is something to be said about that field. It it is straight up. It's one of the biggest in the SEC. If if yeah. you're unfamiliar, and it the sound stays in really well. Like it's very bowl esque and it's closed in and kind of up, just like Neyland Stadium in in Knoxville. So the sound stays in really well. And they had that loss that pissed them off and woke them up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Auburn hadn't had that yet. Auburn, our back was against the wall at Cal, but it was it was both teams kind of trying to figure out their own crap. It wasn't really like, we know who we are and you are preventing us from doing that. I don't feel like that's, that's what transpired at Cal. This is going to be the first time that Auburn's back is truly up against the wall in a very challenging environment. And do they act like they've been doing this for a long time or do they act like the team that's only on week four and still trying to figure it out? Yeah, great analysts, uh, analysis, I should say. Um, the thing is, like you were just saying, like it is going to be loud. Was that ULM game an 11 o'clock game they played last week? Four or so three. It was a four o'clock game. So, you know, hopefully we can catch them before their fans get too wired 
uh, yeah. you know, in an early game. So it kind of works to our advantage by playing them at 11 a.m. Because if True. you play them at nighttime, it gets so loud. And they start that right. whole swaying back and forth. Uh, so it, it probably helps us to be playing them early. True. Especially with the inexperience that we have as far as the offense, as far as like all our transfers still being on the same page, as far as communication amongst the line. And right. because it's still, you know, guys are still feeling out each other. They're still learning each other. And, you know, first three couple, first couple of weeks, like you said, like, you know, it, it was great to have those guys on our schedule. But now we find a little bit more out about our football team. You will actually mm-hmm. find out more about Peyton Thorne in this game. Let's be honest. You will. Sanford, that doesn't tell me much. You know, because that's a game we're supposed to dominate. We're supposed mm-hmm. to throw for a many yards we want to throw for, or run for a minute, or you know, do a, do things that I will because that's what we're supposed to do to that type of opponent. Now this week, right. let's see where we at. Can we handle the crowd noise? Can we handle when you have a bad play? Because in games like this, there's always going to be some form of adversity that you got to overcome. We was able to right. overcome it out in Cal. Can we overcome anything that comes up in this game? That's going to be the key uh, for us offensively and just as a team, even defensively. You know, they're going to hit mm-hmm. us on some plays. They are a talented offense. We know that. They are. And we know that they're going to hit us on a few plays. But how do we bounce back when they do punch us in the mouth or hit a big play here and there? And it's the key. So, you know, and getting to Connor Wegman, I think it's a huge, huge get to because if you can get to him, I do think you can rattle him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, because the pressure just builds up and and, and everything. So you got to make him uncomfortable. You got to get him off his spot. He's one of those guys that as long as you let him sit back there and throw the ball and feel comfortable in the pocket, he can pick you apart. But if you start yeah, to hit him can. a little bit, he'll start rushing throws. He'll start throwing the ball in some areas. It's kind of tight and give you opportunity to get some hands on some balls. So we just got to make sure we ramp up the pressure. Make sure that we put them in situations that they don't want to be in, mm-hmm. and then uh, and just and just play hard, play extremely hard because you're right. A lot of people don't know what Auburn football team is going to look like for real yet. Everyone's still figuring it out. Even the coaches mm-hmm. are still working on it and figuring it out. They're still trying to figure out what's our identity. You know, can you really say over the first three weeks that we know what our identity is offensively? Like no. you really can't say it, you know, defensively, we kind of can say what we know our identity is, mm-hmm. but offensively, which we, we all expect, it takes a little bit more time offensively with a new coach and a new unit for things to start coming together because it's way more calls offensively than it is defensively. Agreed. Before we close out, let me get your takes on the SEC. Another week, some more chaos. <laughs> what else would be expect? Uh LSU looks a lot better, goes in, defeats Mississippi State in dominating fashion after, you know, confusing everyone week one by losing to Florida State as big as they did. Uh, Alabama had a really tough time beating USF, and the sky is falling in Tuscaloosa. I mean, literally the amount of people that are talking about Nick Saban needing to be done. What is wrong with you people? Like, literally, in what world? It's I just, I can't make sense of it. Um Obviously, Florida upsetting Tennessee, which was certainly not expected given the Gator start against Utah in week one. So it definitely feels like some of these early season losses for SEC teams may be the very thing that kicks their tail into gear. And sometimes when you get complacent with your expectations, that is the very thing you need. We'll see what that means for everyone moving forward. But uh, give me your take on on some of the results and who's kind of stood out to you, good or bad. Uh, Billy Napier, Napier needed that victory in a big way. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
You know, they after losing to Utah the first game of the season, you couldn't afford to lose your next big game. Uh, you know, or the seat was gonna get a lot hotter. And I think he calmed a lot of people down by winning that game at home against a, a really good Tennessee team. Uh, mm-hmm. And the way that they play with energy, how their defense play, you know, they look like a Florida team that's like, okay, we, we can see the curve. We can see around the curve a little bit. We mm-hmm. just got to keep honing in. Now, South Carolina, you jump out on Florida, I mean, on Georgia 14 to three. And it's almost like when they jumped out on them 14 to three, they got complacent, like, all right, we got them where we want them, where we want them at. But then you yeah. let off the gas. You stop taking shots. You stop playing right. with that that high energy and the things that got you up fourteen to three. You what didn't was do working? In the second half. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, at halftime they either went in, feel like they had the game won, or what it was. Mississippi State just shocked me. You know, they just yeah, came same. out flat against LSU. LSU in your house and. You know, if you can, yeah, if you can just put some, but they didn't do anything to try to slow down the LSU offense. It was fourth no. down, and like they went for it. I'm looking at Mississippi State from a defensive standpoint and just saying, okay, you have a defensive head coach, but they lined up in straight man coverage against that that team with those dudes on the outside, right. and they just burnt them for a touchdown and just over and over. And they didn't, they did not like adjust that was shocking uh lsu yeah. does look like a team that's kind of getting it into gear i think they just ran into a florida state team in florida in the second half that just overpound them uh yeah i agree so the jury's still out on them alabama who man they got some problems right, right now uh, i think everyone's pointing at the quarterback but it's bigger than that like you look at their offensive line yes they're the biggest offensive line in pro sports college sports whatever you want to call it but they're getting beat off the ball and, mm-hmm. you know, teams are beating them with speed. And then from a standpoint of they criticize the quarterback so much to the point that how are you going to have any quarterback that's going to feel confident enough to want to step on the field the way that they right. talk about their quarterback so bad? You know, you got to understand these are still 18 and 22 year old men. And Melrose only had he started last year one game when mm-hmm. Bryce couldn't play. And he started the first two games of the season. But that second team he played, Texas, that's a good football team. Yep. I said, and after that game, all the fans are calling in, wanting to get rid of him already. So you know what? I like, you got a head coach that's won seven national championships, have seen this team from spring all the way to now. So you tell me that you don't trust his decision on what he see on a day-to-day basis, that you feel like you know more than he does. So you know what Saban said? Okay, I do one for okay. you. I Bad. played the other guys on the road in South Florida, and you saw what happened in that game. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, he doesn't have to answer that question anymore. Now everybody wants to say, oh, let's put Melrose back in there. Right. You know? Well, you could have been letting him get the experience in the first place, but they're they have gotten to a point where they're so used to quarterbacks plugging and playing to yeah, the point that now they don't want to give a young kid a chance to develop. So they got some problems right now. We'll learn more this week against Ole Miss. Interesting matchup with Lane Ooh. Kiffin and them. You know, he's talking noise already. He's trying to stare the pot. You know, he calls a distraction. <laughs> he knows how to distract. He Saban. knows he knows what he's doing. Lane right. is a mental chess player. Yes, and Lane was under Saban, so he knows what gets under Saban's, uh, yeah, you know, skin, more than skin and or anything. The SEC right now is, is about to get interesting. Arkansas will need a big game this week against LSU. Dang, after they losing, really let that yeah, one go. After losing to BYU, they've really got to come back and respond this weekend. That's going to be a big game. It's a night game in Baton Rouge. Not going to be easy, uh, but no, they got to respond, I, though. 
I think Arkansas may be in big trouble. Um, I yeah. think LSU's figured something out, and that place is woo, no walk in the park. Tonight. I mean, Florida State Clemson could be interesting. I think we will really oh, learn some big games this weekend. Yeah, there's some very Colorado, intriguing Oregon. Best of luck, Bo. Yeah, Colorado, Oregon. Uh, you know, that's gonna be an interesting game. I wish Travis Hunter was playing. Uh, I know, you know, just I to kind of make it even bigger. So that's going to be, yeah, but the guy behind state. him is the number one 2023 corner <laughs> in the country. So like, it's fine. Everything's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah. He got some dudes on that team. He man. has some uh, dudes. It's, you know, crazy. there's some really Ohio state, Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's going to be a I big would, game this weekend. So I would love to see Notre Dame win that one. But anyway, it is definitely that time. Once you get into week four, we start getting into all these really crucial conference matchups and, like I said, playtime's over. Like you got to have it figured out this week, and and we'll see if the Tigers do. So, with that, we will wrap it up here on Believe and Everything Auburn. Thank you so much for listening and watching. As always, you can subscribe if you haven't already, and you'll get a notification every time we release an episode. You can also find us on YouTube. We are on Believe's YouTube channel every week now. So if you prefer to watch, you can do that. Make sure you leave us a comment, give us a thumbs up, share with your friends, follow us on social. Our handles are right here, conveniently located under our charming faces. And come on back next week when we break down what is hopefully another Auburn victory. Enjoy week four, party people. We'll talk next week. War Eagle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.